Hey, Jeff. Hey, Eric. How are you? I'm pretty good. How are you? Doing well, thank you. Last week, we were lucky enough to go out to Queens to speak to a group of students at Forte Prep. Yeah. Now, normally, we talk to college kids. We talk to high schoolers. This was 90 elementary school students, fifth graders. A fifth grade career day. And we were up against, because it's a competition. It's always a competition. We were up against someone from finance. Yep. A magazine writer. Yep. An Emmy Award winner. Yep. Some other people. A but, doctor. But we fucking killed it. We killed We killed it. But there was an existential crisis that we had ahead of time because, again, these are fifth graders. These mm-hmm. are kids who, are they going to understand who Stevie Wonder is? Are they going to understand who Questlove is? Or ASAP Rocky? Or J. Cole? We can't play any of our videos. <laughs> Every single not a one, one of them has curses in them. <laughs> yeah, this is uh, like... Or, like, if it's not curses, then it's weed puns. This and is, if it's, it's not weed puns, then it's gunshots. It was just... Yeah, what were we going to do? And we were told you could bring a video to present or you can bring an artifact. I don't even know what we would have brung. I was just like, uh. And so finally, luckily, we decided, okay, you know what? We'll shape this all around some sort of lesson that we can teach the kids about when people say no, you can overcome that and make something from that no, right? Yeah, right. No into a yes. That's right. So we way back in the day, the first video we ever did was called Deconstructing Biggie. And when we went to a depot where they ship out all the boxes and said, hey, can we actually use some of your drivers for this sketch? They said, no, get out of here, leave. We said, fine, fuck you. We're going to go to our local art supply store. We're going to go buy some brown shirts and we're going to make these logos. And that's what we showed the kids and the kids loved it. Right. We didn't say fuck you. We did not. Once again, fifth graders and we have some sort of class. Yeah. Some sort of tact. Anyway, these kids were amazing, first of all. Yeah, they asked, like, real, like, incisive questions. One of them said, how did you decide who to advocate for? It mm-hmm. was, I mean, like... I mean, not to us. That was to somebody who Right, was but still, activist. this is the yeah. level of child we're talking about. These are amazing kids. They were focused. They were curious. They were funny. They were just really cool. And we just had a blast with these kids. One of the most surprising things to us was, number one, they know who Stevie Wonder is. Yo, the second class loved Stevie Wonder. Also, when we said, hey, what kind of music do you guys listen to? And the kids raised their hand. Who were some of the people they were listening to? Well, the first class said uh, Childish Gambino. Right. Logic. Sure. Uh, Kendrick Lamar. Yep. And who am I missing? Drake. Right. So the second class, though. Second class didn't like rap. Third class said... Takashi 69 and 21 Savage and everybody was into 21 Savage. So, you know, who knows? <laughs> who knows about anything anymore? But I did want to read one Like why were we so afraid to say anything who when even these kids knows? were listening to Takashi 69? I, I want to read one or two notes Savage. real quick. Uh one of the kids said, "Thank you for coming to our school today. I'm grateful for what you told us about your life. Also, I wish you good luck on your videos and even though I don't know how many subscribers you have, I hope that you get to 1 million subscribers or 2 billion subscribers. Mm. And then if you do, it'd be great if you could compliment me in a video. So that's from ENS. Yo, shouts to ENS. Another kid wrote down all of the people that he listens to, including Travis Scott, Migos, Post Malone, 6ix9ine, XXX, which is, I mean, for fifth graders, right? Yeah. Trippy Red, Uzi, Logic, Cardi B, and... 
Ariana Grande. Ariana Grande. How uh, to sneak in that Ariana Grande with your Extentacion and Takashi <laughs> 69 This girl named Ashlyn said, I love how all of the no's you got motivated you even more. And no people know you a lot more now. Thank you so much for coming. Two more. This one's from George. He said, it was great that you took the time out of your day to come see us. I really liked how you guys explained your story. I also liked how if someone told you no, you would still keep on going. I think that your personalities really do match up with your podcast, TV shows, albums, and books. This guy should represent us. But my favorite one, Jeff, said, dear Eric and Jeff, I really like how your life went. I am also named Jeff. I understand your story. Because I've been in that situation. Shouts to Jeff, who's seen a lot. <laughs> seen a lot of things. It's tough to be a Jeff. Yeah. Tough to be a Jeff. So shout out to all the fifth graders out there. And if you want us to come speak to your fifth grade class, or you know what? Let's go younger. We have lots of lessons to teach to ages kindergarten through fifth grade. Yeah. We're here for you guys, and we appreciate you. Shout out to everyone at Forte Prep. You really are a special bunch over there. Jeff, before we get into today's podcast, I did want to mention that it's been one calendar year. Since we have put out our debut rap album, Teddy Bear Fresh. Has it really? It has been... Yeah, you know it's been a year. <laughs> it's been one year. May 26, 2017, since we put out our album. You know the album that features everyone from Just Blaze to Angie Martinez to Combat Jack to Tunji Ige and Jazz Cartier. Currency and, and Smoke Dizza. Bun B. Michael Christmas. It, it's, it's a great album, and I'm not just going to say that myself. No, but like... The thing is that a lot of people have been hitting us up, and the weirdest thing is that when people are surprised that it's good. I just love the fact that people listen to it. Yeah. I love the fact that we took three years with our best friend Greg Mayo, who produced the whole project, to write, to rewrite, to conceptualize, to reconceptualize, to perfect a piece of art, and then you put it out there, that it's gotten such a great response means everything to us. Yeah. So shout out to everybody who has streamed it, who has bought it, and shout out to everybody who's looking forward to our new shit just like us. Jeff, on the podcast today. On the podcast today is Dave. Dave. That's it. Just okay, Dave. Just Dave. He's the British rapper. You guys may know him from his song, Wanna Know. With Drake. Yeah, the, the remix featured Drake. That's a dope story, how they were riding around in a mini and almost crashed because they were so excited about the news. Dave is a great dude who was in town to perform, and we saw him play at uh, Baby's, Baby's All Right, right. Mm -hmm. and, and, and Brooklyn. Right. He was tremendous, and the crowd in there, sold out show. The crowd knew every word, and it was a really, really fun time. But his story is great. He started off in South London with just hard circumstances in terms of the incarceration of his two older brothers. We get into that. We talk about how he started his music career playing piano, what movie soundtracks meant to him. We talked about what Meek Mill meant to him. He's got a great come up and he's put out a lot of dope songs, including Samantha featuring Jay Huss, which is one of my favorite songs. But also I think it's, I think like we're very lucky in that Dave doesn't talk to that many people. Right. And so I think that we were lucky to get this interview. Shouts to Jack and Benny, his amazing team. Shout to Nur who made it happen. Shout to Nur who really made it happen. And um, and hopefully we get to see him when we're out in London. Yes. And Jeff, before we get into it, you wanted to recommend three different podcasts for people to listen to. Yeah, I would recommend T Grizzly, Jazz Cartier, and Jersey Jinx. All right. Three great episodes. You guys should go check them out right now. Jeff, when do you want to get into this podcast? Right now. Yo, what up? It's Eric, a.k.a. Prom Season, a.k.a. Run Up and Get Done Up. Yo, what up? It's Jeff, a.k.a. Three-Piece Sweatsuit, a.k.a. Balenci Saga. Yo, it's Dave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a waste of time, but it's the real. <laughs> Dave, what's happening? Yo, you saying, guys? You right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thanks for coming through. Oh, thanks for having me. 
Yeah, it's crazy, it's crazy right now. It's a crazy introduction. Right here, right here. I want to start right away with the fact that you're just you're just Dave. That's it. Just Dave. Um, everyone was calling me Santander before, so you find me on Instagram and Twitter and Santander. And yeah, that's just my name's David. Your name is David originally. You are Dave as a rapper. Does it ever get confusing for anyone who's trying to find you, regardless of whether you were Santan Dave or whatever? Boy, you know, it only gets difficult if I'm trying to find myself. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, right? But like, you can't just Google Dave as a rapper. Right. Like, you have to have Santan Dave there. Or you have to say, like, Dave Rapper. Yeah. Yeah, and that, it, that is annoying. Yeah. That, that is annoying. Because we always talk about, you know, the rapper, like, problem or trouble. Like, those are things that you just yeah. write problem into Google. Yeah, it's, yeah, like, yeah. The worst. yeah. Not great. <laughs> Same with, like, pill rapper. Like, yeah. yeah. There's just, like, a bunch of rappers that's just, like, impossible to find them. You have made a name for yourself, though, which has been amazing to watch over the past couple years thank you um yeah I mean, i'm considering you know the name you know who says a name has to say you see puff daddy change yeah, well, yeah, yeah. did you see you see people change you know, but if you're at a festival or something and someone's like hey where's dave like there could be like a million daves there right yeah you know i, I can't even lie i'll be real like, i hate the fact that people <laughs> dave, like i just call like dave like i'm just thinking like, it's such a lazy like such a <laughs> lazy rap name and obviously people are like no but that's the coolest thing like you just call dave and i'm like but it's not but it's not cool though but it's not like when you're actually a guy that, and people actually call me dave in real life which is jarring but it's just like i'm so used to it it's like i'm numb yeah you know what i'm saying have you have you tried to get instagram just to give you dave Never, no way. No. That, that is like that is a problem. Who has Dave? Have we figured that out yet? I have it. Oh, you have it. Yeah. Oh. Well, how much do you want for it? <laughs> oh, I'm not giving it up. My name is Jeff, but I go by Dave on Instagram. Follow me there. You know, like, um, oh, you guys don't even watch football, do you? Oh, uh, soccer? No. No, yeah. Do you know the, the reference that was about to come up means nothing. Oh no, no, please. it's okay. I mean, yeah. Someone yeah. Out basically, there like it. everyone, everyone that is called anything is called Dave. There's a player that plays for Chelsea called Cesar Azpilicueta, but they call him Dave because his name's too long to, <laughs> to say. So everyone in the change room just calls him Dave. But yeah, the Santan is the the, the part that allows yeah it allows people to to know where right like I am and what I'm doing. You know what's very confusing, by the way. But Santan is very close to Satan. Oh, this, so, this is true. Yeah. So you know you're one and away from being the devil, <laughs> and you're like as Dave, you're multiple letters away from being right. <laughs> recognizable you know so what's very confusing is mike dean the producer who we know personally every time he's trending on twitter i get excited that it's about him it's football it's the football yeah. player yeah yeah no it's not a player it's a referee oh he's a referee yeah, he's a referee a referee is trending on twitter all yeah, the time because of the decisions that he made but oh. i think mike dean's he's an all right ref like, the be. producer the producer's an all right ref <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's okay. Wait, so Mike Dean just gets like whether he does something good or bad, he's just always in the news. Yeah, like, referees in the world, like if you're a referee of a sport, you can't be popular. You can't be. But he's like, out here. <laughs> yeah, I know you could be popular, but you can't be popular for a good reason. Right. There's like Michael Oliver as well. He's another referee who will get like a lot. So if you're a referee, like there's two teams in football innit? and if you make one decision you've offended another team you know what I'm saying so yeah. there's no right decision that you can make as an umpire or as a referee or an that official. sucks yeah it's tough where are you originally from I, well I was born in South London my <laughs> mum you know heritage is from Nigeria alright so what was growing up in South London like it was it was it was alright you know like it wasn't the worst thing in the world I'm not gonna act like it was you know the Gaza, but it, every every city has their good points and their bad points, you know. So it was a mixture of a lot of things. And I felt like at home in South London, like it felt like it was 
a city where I was in place, you know? So you were born in Brixton? Yeah. And then you moved to Stratham? Yeah, Stratham. 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 Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can tell that like I've done enough research, but like not enough where I like I went yeah, to the yeah. neighborhood and right. actually know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> like the way that you said it, I think that's the name of the area because of the Saint Saint Reefham. Mm-hmm. That's where it comes from, Saint Reefham. So it, they just abbreviated it to Stratham. Hmm. Uh, you have two other siblings. Yeah, two older brothers. What was that like for you? Um, it was alright. Like, obviously, it was a weird. It was a weird dynamic in my house. Like for the first. 10, 15 years of my life, like, you know, I have memories of my brothers separately, but not many memories of my brothers together, because... What's the age difference between them and, and you? I'm 19, and my brother's 24, and my other brother is 27. Mm. But when I was younger, those two didn't speak to each other. Oh, really? So we lived in the same house, my older brothers never spoke to each other. I don't know what happened when I was younger, but there was, like, a big argument, but, like, my brothers weren't cool for like a really long time and then I was just in the middle of it because I was the youngest so bouncing off of both but yeah so when I was 11 obviously the first thing happened with my middle brother where he went to prison so I didn't really get much time with him mm. being young then when I was, was I 16 or was I 15 it was 2014 so I was probably I'm 19 now it's 2018 I was probably 15 the second brother went to prison so I don't have many like you know, you won't see a photo of us outside where it's the three of us and like I'm of a normal age. So that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, but it's just like you get used to it, right? So mm-hmm. like a lot of people have memories of them growing up with their brothers. Like I don't know, like maybe the times that they went to Fort Park or like swimming pools or that type of thing, zoos. But like most of my memories are at a table like this and like just in a visit and just the different prisons that they were in like how the visiting halls were you know it went from like where in London it was Cookham Wood in Rochester to Feltham to Elmley which was in Sheerness and Sea to Swinford Hall then my other brother got arrested then he went to Thameside then he went to Highdown then he went to Wandsworth no then he went to Ford then he went to Wandsworth then he went to Brixton. Then he came out. My other brother these times had gone to Long Larton. And then he's moved since then. One of them's come yeah. out now, so that's positive. But like every single prison was different. Every journey to the prison was different. Like there's so many like different dynamics in the the way that like I don't know, the it was Cook and Wood was a drive, so we drive to Rochester, but my mum hates driving a motorway, so I have memories of my mum like breaking down on a car, like fainting, like that type of thing. Those times were hard. Long Larting was like a long train. It's way, way, way up in a place called Eversham, so I have memories of like that train and waking up at like six in the morning and coming back at 9 p.m. at night and catching, I just remember the journey, like going from Stratton Common to London, Victoria, getting the Jubilee line to Paddington and then the Great Western Railway to, I don't know, Oxford and then switching at Oxford and going all the way up to Honeybourne and then getting a cab and then the dogs and then the, the, the grey and then the green of the gates. Like It's just like, it's those are, those are like a lot of the memories that I have growing up and like it would take away entire days like entire weekends, like things that you would like be planning to do, times you'd be planning to go out and like 
for a lot of the time, like, there was nothing to really speak about. You're sitting in the video and you're just like, what are you doing that's new, what's different? Like, you're just going to school and you're just listening. So they reached a point where it was like, you know, I always enjoyed playing football and I wanted to play football. And like, that was something I was doing for a bit. I thought, cool, I can... I can try can try something, you know. That wasn't that wasn't the case. So I couldn't try anything in football. You actually have to be physically gifted and like ready for it. You know, you can't just like wish it into existence. Right? That but, was not you. No, no, I play. I still play football now. Yeah, mm-hmm. like because I have a love for football. But that was something I was doing to like keep myself occupied. And that's the thing that we talk about in the visits. Like I would speak to my brother and say, "Yeah, I want to play football for this team and that team." And I was here and there, and it was like something to speak about, you know. Because when there's nothing to speak about, it's usually the most difficult and then, yeah you're spending all this time sometimes like entire days coming back and forth from these prisons yeah how much time did you actually get to spend talking to your brother in those times depends on what prison again everyone had like a different uh rule some of them you were allowed an hour some of them you were allowed an hour 45 some of them two hours some of them were like very lenient and were like two hours and a half like ford i think there was a visit one time that went for like three hours High Down was more like an hour 30. Brixton, I never went to go and visit my brother in Brixton. Um, Wandsworth was like an hour 45. Mm-hmm. So everyone was everyone was different. Like, Why didn't you visit your brother in Brixton if that was the closest? To where I lived? Yeah. Because he's come out now and that was like more towards the end of his sentence. Mm-hmm. But Brixton is just like... London prisons are weird because like you're close but you're far. And me being like a musician... I'm going to a visit with my mum. So it's like me and my mum, but like I'm a face that everyone knows. But I can't say to my mum, I'm not going to the visit with you because I'm a face that everyone knows. But to go to a prison in London that's so close to where you are, it's kind of a weird one. He was coming towards the end of his sentence and I think it just made sense to just wait for him to, to come out. And it was something that we probably would have done if we had to, but like it's easier to go to a prison that's way up in the sticks because the people that you run into is di- it's just different like, I find that I run into like a lot more of like people that are charged up and like gassed and excited and have the wrong outlook in prisons that are in London not like people that are inside of the prisons but the people that are going to visit people because obviously like London prisons they're different like you're on remand likely if you're in a London prison you're on remand because of the court that's nearest to you I think that's where they put you in and then like some people that are going through like categories and are coming down close to getting out they'll be in London prisons but it's like if you're driving all the way up like four or five hours or you're driving up three hours to go and see someone that's in a prison for like a serious crime the chances are like you know that this is a serious crime like you're karma you know what I'm saying there's like things that you just be on a visit and then you'll just see someone just get rushed in a visiting hall when you're leaving a visit or like people like fighting when you're in the visit mm. you know what I'm saying so that's like an interesting sort of spin to it like every single prison has a completely different dynamic like there's some prisons where people just wouldn't even like it's impossible to try it you know what I'm saying like, mm-hmm. it's impossible to if you look at someone wrong like you'll get kicked out of the visit mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. there was one time where I got I had to have a closed visit because someone had had a cigarette when I was, or someone had smoked in the vicinity of me when I was coming off the train. And then I was going in to the visit and then they must have had like the most, the most 
active dog there, but it was like, the dog just kept going for this particular place, like around me. And it's like, they searched everything about me, everything, but there wasn't like, he knew it was just a scent of smoke, but you just can't. So we had like the, the, the thing in between us like it was you know how they do it yeah, in America the barrier, yeah, 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 they don't yeah. usually do that but mm. it was it was, a, it was like really really weird still it was an odd time so those were the things that like kind of started me and built me as a character do you think that it made you grow up quicker than you would have because of of those experiences yeah like I think that it definitely like gave me this sort of different outlook on life and yeah it was kind of a, a darker outlook yeah outlook like who, who can even who can you explain that to at your age that would even have any there's some there's some people that have gone through similar and there's some people that have gone through worse you know mm -hmm. there's people that are just like a lot of people like where I'm from and where everyone's from I guess like that like they would just be doing their thing and then like a relative of theirs would just get killed right. that's that. what do you do then like, that's it that's the worst thing that can happen you know so you just gotta put it into perspective and be like grateful even though it seems like a weird thing to be grateful for like life is a good thing and Mm -hmm. Like obviously, if someone's alive, you can still maintain a level of communication, but it's a different sort of pressure, you know. Like when I was twelve, thirteen, fourteen, like I was trying to look ahead, like trying to trying to think about what what it was like. Like I knew that something had to something had to happen, but I didn't know it would be music. Music was just the thing that was going to keep me sane until I found out what it was that I was going to do. You know, you were searching for a way out. Not even a way out, cause I'm like I'm I'm all right. Like, I'm not like I wasn't about to fall into the same thing that they were doing. You know, one of my brothers got a life sentence. The other one had got like a shorter sentence, but it was like four years. And I don't think I was close to that. There's been certain times where like you could be in danger of you know getting arrested, going to jail, and that type of thing. But it was never to the scale of them. So it wasn't like I was looking for a way out. But Boy, I was—I guess I would just say I was looking for a way into a better life, you know, mm. to to something that was like that where I felt like I had freedom and yeah, like music was the thing and that I was doing for fun. I was just thinking oh, I was gonna go into law, like go into football, go into like medicine or something. Like I was academically pretty smart, but like I never had the discipline to keep it going and never had the mentality to do things that I didn't like. Well, so how does music get into your life at an early age? Because my brother was rapping before we went to prison, but we always just listened to music. We always listened to instrumentals. I'd watch films, listen to the soundtracks and stuff, and that was like a big part of music for me growing up, like that type of making the connection between the music without words and the music with it, you know? And mm -hmm. Like, I just remember, like, there's, there's a lot of times where it's just, you just learn, learn, and, you know, you look to, you look to, to musicians who, you live these crazy lifestyles and think, right, like, this looks insane. Like, this would be amazing. Like, you know, there was one time I was, I was Meek Mill done a cover of that started for the bottom. Mm -hmm. And I was looking, I was thinking, I loved Meek Mill growing up. You know, I still think he's a sick artist. And he was like one of those rappers that like, when you listen through all of Meek Mill's like projects and when you listen through him as a rapper, like he raps in a way that, it's very inspirational, you know, he goes and talks about the things that he aspires to do, the things that he's done, circumstances that he's come from and where he is. And I would listen to that and I would, you know, go and I'd wake up in the morning and shower and think, you know, maybe I can do something different. Maybe it's, you know, gonna be, gonna be different for us. So I just didn't know that it would be like just the scale that I could 
be in control of like this because I always thought like there would be some higher power that's in control but in a career like music you are literally in control of your own thing like how hard you work or how hard you go is what you get out you know so mm -hmm. so you were rapping first yeah I was rapping like I wrote some childish raps when I was like 11 and I started playing the piano when I was like 13 14 so where does the piano enter your life because I wanted to cover the soundtracks that I kept hearing because I kept hearing piano covers of the soundtracks that I liked. So like film soundtracks. Yeah, there's yeah. this guy that like, I don't know if you guys know him in America, but he's American. One guy called Kyle Landry and he does like covers of soundtracks. So he'd do all the Kingdom Hearts stuff. He'd do all of like the Inception stuff done like a cover of like Apologize and that type of thing Hallelujah but you take like simple songs and he like super duper arpeggiate them and like add like a lot of chords so if you listen to him like he like makes songs that have like simple chords feel like really big so I wanted to like learn so I could do something similar to that and and you saw these covers on on YouTube, YouTube. yeah yeah so yeah Kyle Landry is an amazing amazing pianist and that like was really inspiring like he's got like his own like improvisation covers and like all of the Kingdom Hearts series. So that was something that I looked down for, yeah. Did like, you have any formal training? Did you have like a, a class at school where you could learn? Yeah, like I studied music, but I wasn't going to a piano teacher. So <laughs> my teacher, Miss Fortley, helped me with like the first few stages of like understanding, getting the books to learn how to sight read and like the actual theory behind the piano. So I grasped that and yeah, like I was able to like, go through the stages and play to like a level where it felt like yeah I'm I can now play the piano and like replicate something but it took a while for it to kick in the creative side it's one thing being able to play the piano replicate it's another thing being able to actually be useful on the piano to to create something from scratch to know that like these chords are going to lead you to this mood and playing in this style is going to give you this and that and like I still learn things every day I'm nowhere near where I need to be you know so was there any thought of like working with other people like in in groups or yeah composing with other people like one of my very close friends one of my closest friends Cal was learning at the exact same time as me so me and him always went back and forth with each other and like he'd learn one soundtrack I'd learn another we'd come to school see you could play it better and then like it spurred us both on to like be better musicians and you know like eventually he ended up running away in the lead with the piano thing and he took it far and like he's, he's like super duper duper gone on the piano but yeah. I just thought like let me actually focus my attention more towards the rapping because the piano side of it takes time like it takes time to learn and time that I put in to, to learn how to play something on the piano like when I was younger it was like ridiculous but now when I play it's just like muscle memory yeah but I was looking at like some of the things that were being played by like a Kyle Landry and I was like going through it step by step and like this these times like I'm playing from muscle memory but I don't have the best idea of the chords sometimes you could play on piano and it's just like it's like your hand making shapes it's like you're it's like throwing up gang signs mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like you're just playing something but you don't actually know the reason why you're playing it right and if you play something here is it going to be on the same thing you know what i'm saying yeah so it took me a while to realize that like, cool i can do this c minor chord and everything can sound nice but if i press b here it won't work unless i'm doing it in the context of these three chords or four chords and when I could actually piece together like what was important and what makes sense musically with what makes sense here it actually opened 
Do you, do you, yeah. yeah. So you came to theory on your own? Yeah. Like, it took me a while. To that's incredible. Learn. It's just like playing yeah. by ear. Though. Like it's like that's what everyone does. I guess like you play by ear. Some people like sight read it, but I just felt like sight reading was hindering my creativity. You know? Wow. Just playing other people's songs, it didn't give me the chance to go out and think. Yeah. So what music really opened your ears in terms of like a new sound? Like what what was something where you were like, oh, I didn't even consider that was possible? You see movies, film, like soundtracks. The reason I'm so into them, yeah, is because they're like time capsules, you know? You can, you can capture just so many different things, like how you felt when you were watching a scene, where you were when the scene was happening, what was happening in the film. Soundtracks, they take you to where you were when you first heard them. Mm -hmm. So Steve Jablonski's arrival to Earth when all the Transformers like came down to Earth and I think it was, I don't even know who it was that jumped out of the pool, but it might have been Bumblebee. Like they've all come down and meet yours. Bumblebee's like landed in the swimming pool or something mm -hmm. and the kid's like, this little girl, she's looking up and he's standing over and he, he steps over and tries to like be quiet, but it's like, dun, 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 dun. I was thinking like, nah, that's a crazy melody. And then like, when I heard Cal Landry cover, I was like, nah, this is crazy. And when I went, watched The Dark Knight, and then mm -hmm. there was like like a dog chasing cars, so many pieces of that one part of the soundtrack were cut throughout the film. Like you would hear it when Batman was trying to get Harvey Dent out of the police truck yep. and he was shooting the bullets into the bulletproof thing. It's like, that was the tense part of it, the starting part. And like it built up throughout the entire film. Like there's a lot of scenes where it was, but it wasn't fully kicked in yet. And then when Batman goes into that night vision mode where Lucius is helping him see everything around him through everyone's phones, if you remember. Yeah. And he's in the stairwell and it's like, dun, 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 dun. Done. and it's like so much is going on but it just feels like big it feels triumphant and you feel like oh my gosh like this is like epic and the dark knight was such a dark film yeah. that yeah. like you don't know if this is going to go right or if this is going to go wrong you know what i'm saying that like, christopher nolan is a genius of a screenwriter because he actually takes you out of that world where you feel like it's all going to be okay like you know when you watch yeah. films you just feel like I don't even know if I can be scared for my favorite character because I know that this guy is cool. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You watched The Walking Dead? No, I have, but Eric definitely no. has not. So, like, <laughs> have you ever watched The Walking Dead, yeah, and you just be watching something, you'll be thinking, oh, like, it looks like Rick's in danger, but you just know that he's not. Right. Because he's just here. Yeah. That makes sense. Like. Well, yeah, but because you believe in the character, like, and you believe that he's going to be fine, right? Like, you just, you just know that this can't exist without him. Mm -hmm. Like, The Sopranos, like, Yes. Yeah, now you're that thinking, I've watched. You're thinking yeah. like Tony Soprano, this show will fall to pieces without you. Any other character, you may feel like, boy, if it's his brother, if it's someone else, like I feel nervy if it's not him. Right. Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? Like yes. you yeah, want yeah. your favorite character to be in them situations because you know that he's the one that can overcome it. Well then what do you think happened at the end of the Sopranos? Boy. <laughs> nah, I think Tony's ghost still. Hmm. That that's the scene where it's like went into the bathroom, right? At the restaurant. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah and then it cuts to black. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think it's long room. What did you think the first time you heard uh, the Dreams and Nightmares intro by Meek Mill? Yeah, so talk about cinematic. That's a massive. Right? I listened to that this morning when yeah. we were in the shower. Um, I don't know why I said when we were in the shower. When I, <laughs> when I was in the shower, <laughs> like. Yeah. The reason I said that is because there's no... There's no All right, cool. Like, let's backtrack. Let's backtrack. I was playing it. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
through speakers. Yes. Yeah. While and you the were speakers showering. were in my hotel room <laughs> while I was showering. <laughs> However, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. the person that is sharing a hotel room with me was outside right. of the bathroom. <laughs> Did that make sense? Yes. So I was solo in the shower. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. With Meek Mill. <laughs> playing. Yeah. yeah. Not, the, not playing like that, but yeah. Meek Mill was playing like, in the background. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, but the first time you heard that. Inspirational. Like, right. That's, that was like one of the... That was... Meat Mill's intros have always been like super cinematic. That's what I like really like about him. And when I heard that, and then it switched, he was like, "Hold up, wait a minute." Yeah. Before I was finished, I was thinking, "No way!" <laughs> and like, I was just thinking, "No," because I remember that album got leaked. Yes, yeah, yeah, it got leaked. So yeah. I listened to it before it came out. Sorry, me. Like, <laughs> I was just thinking, "Nah, this is ridiculous," and that took me on a real journey. Really changed the way that I looked at things. And even like Lord knows with Tory Lanez that. Like, that's one of the most ridiculous instrumentals I've ever heard. Yeah. Because it's like it's not even in time. It's like mm. it's not in four four. Right. So when Meek Mill's flowing on it, it's like the way that he's caught that beat, yeah. like no one else can do. Like right. no one else can do. So his intros, they make me feel like super special when I hear them. Right. But that's because of the musicality in them. That's because of the pianos. That's because of the horns when it switches. Yeah, the movements, yeah. 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 Like, and the same thing with the sample and Lord knows. I think that like, they sampled like a it was something that was like, that was in a film that was a reenactment of a classic story. Mm-hmm. So like a Kyle Landry, Landry <laughs> of a, yeah. Of a film. So yeah, it's yeah. like, imagine a film and someone made a film about someone like Mozart or they mm-hmm. made a film about someone like blah, 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 blah. Because I yeah. actually went and found out about the sample and tried to find where it was from. Mm-hmm. And it was from something like that, I think. You become very accomplished in piano early. And then you're like, all right, I'm going to really focus on rapping instead because it doesn't take as long in terms of time and all that, right? I, was, I guess I was always rapping. To be yeah. Fair. So did you ever rap name before then? No. Before Dave? Always Dave? Just No, I was just rapping. There was no like rap name at all. It wasn't like putting anything out. It's just like... You're just writing. You're yeah. Just ra- yeah, rapping. Yeah. Well, when did you start recording? I'd recorded like tracks because my friends and had filmed me from young when I was like 12, 11 and like... 13 but none of them had like gone out and made an impact I put one video up on YouTube and we took it down because I got abuse for it when I was in school like you know got like 40 views everyone was laughing it was all tough and that like you know like, wait how re- could they laugh they didn't even see it <laughs> you know we didn't, they barely got time to. Well, yeah, no yeah. they got a lot of time I was up for a while I was up for a couple of years I mean it barely reached enough for people to see Right. so it felt like they never had the time but imagine like these times when you're a rapper like you're just a clown you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. If you're a kid and you're rapping, you're a clown. Like, why are you rapping? Like, you're not American. You think you're American. You're trying to be American. You know what I'm saying? Were mm-hmm. you trying to be American? No, I was trying to be. I was trying to be me. I was trying to be British. I was yeah. trying to like rap in it. But yeah. like these times, like the scene for rap, it wasn't there. Musicians, yeah, and the people that take in the music was so separate. Mm-hmm. Man used to look at you and think, oh my god, like you're a rapper you are crazy like how do you do this they used to look at rappers like the same way that I look at professional footballers Mm -hmm. now you guys are crazy you got mad talent right but nowadays it's just like boy my man's rapping get me in the studio you know what I'm saying because he's done this imagine people looking at professional footballers saying that was a crazy volley how did he do that I'm about to hit the training ground and go to a trial for Barnet 
That's literally <laughs> what our UK scene is like. There's no difference. Right, right. right. Technology has helped everyone just have the opportunity to record if they want to and who knows what video could hit and some yeah who knows what can be massive yeah. yeah basically and that's that's what i think is the weird thing like it doesn't take you being elite to have a massive song but having a massive song doesn't make you elite exactly right so and also like longevity is what separates people if you have a long career and a long catalog that matters more than just like the guy who has one hit mm and has like a moment yeah you can come into the you can come into the UK and I think you can come into America or, nah I think America's tough like it's a continent still like you can just if you try it in America I think you'll just fade into dust hmm. you know what I'm saying like a random guy from Texas uploads a video and tries to do something like the world could just never ever ever hear of it or it could end up on Ellen the next week <laughs> yeah or it could be massive but yeah. right, think about the scale of America as a continent like the amount of people that have probably tried and the percentage of people right. that are actually like doing something like because London is so small the UK is so small now it's like people are having their turns people are actually getting that you can come and you can have a big song you know what I'm saying yeah most of the big songs that have come recently are from people that aren't like established and you haven't been in the game for a long time why do you think you took offense when people were like yo you're just trying to be american people weren't saying like yo you're trying to be american they're just they were looking at you and it was like no nah, this is like what are you doing you know yeah they saying? were shitting on you for having 40 views yeah like oh man <laughs> like, i see i see better stuff like people making jokes in class like and these are things that like i, I don't forget in it i can't yeah. hold on to it but like mm. you got a chip on your shoulder yeah like yeah. you got, got had the raekwans sending around funny bcs and that and people writing notes to each other and girls would look at you and they'd sneak a laughing in the corridor when you walking past and everything was funny and like i used to make jokes about it like right this is how I'm going to do it. I'm going to sell my mixtape for this and I might yeah. make a bit of change. To, and we laugh about it in English, but people don't know when you're serious, isn't it? But I, I, I believe in myself and my friends believed in me and like me believing in myself wasn't enough, you know, like there was a lot of times where I was just going to stop. Like it's just, like this, this isn't worth it. Like what's the point? But they remind you to do it because of why like it's important to you and that's the love of it you know yeah well did you have the the sort of roadmap which was going to be all right i'm gonna record no 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 roadmap it was just like every song that i had made for a long time was so me and my friends had something to listen to when we were like in cabs or something or on headphones like it was just making music for our own sake like it was like giving us us our own soundtrack you know it was for no one other than us and when we actually thought about it and meditated and said maybe we come into the game doing this like put together a random freestyle and it was like it was pretty magical still it was weird like I done a freestyle over Eminem's No Apologies like my Black Box freestyle so I've right, come mm-hmm. in was Black Box a a real entity at that point could they make or break someone's career nah cause I saw nah. I, I scrolled back to the beginnings of your Instagram and I saw you um, put up a post, and it probably your your black box freestyle probably been up for a few weeks at that point. And you were like, "Thank you so much." We're up to like 157 views, and you were like, "Thanks for everybody's support." It was like 100 upvotes. So I guess you were like oh, celebrating 100, that. 157 likes. Yeah, uh, I think 157 views over. Nah, because I got like 1,500 in the first day. I think. Yeah. Of the black box dropping out of yeah. 1,500 in the first hmm. day, but I think it was 157 likes. Mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Oh, so you said people hate when you hit the table. Oh, sorry. No, yeah. like, <laughs> that was a very that was a very polite hit, by the way, compared to like other people who like smash it. Um, but so 
you know, then a week later it would be it was like ten thousand. And then like it, it just like it just kept growing. It, it, it was growing like really slowly. So it was like over a couple weeks it was like I think just touching ten thousand. Yeah. Then there was something that like sparked it to grow in views because people would realise that someone I was talking about in the freestyle was this person and they started like linking it. So they went back to the freestyle to like piece it together on. And then, yeah, that happened. And these times I'm like young, so people are trying to make sense of the fact that I'm young and that I was charged at being young. So that that was all happening. And we never, again, I just dropped a freestyle. I never thought that this was something that Black Box had had people on there. Mm -hmm. Like they had had, uh, you know, Jay Haas, Mm -hmm. uh, who had done a Black Box before me that was big. Pot of paper remover both had black boxes. Um, I don't know who else had done a black box by that time, but there's people that had like done a black box the same day as me, and their black box is still on like five, six, seven thousand views. So it's the quality of freestyle that you bring to the freestyle channel. If you do something, then you're your own platform, but they give you the platform to be your own platform. So, who is the first person to reach out that you're just like, whoa, from that black box? Yeah, like this thing has reach. Yeah. That was Jamal Edwards. And Jamal Edwards came and he took me to like a new sort of world. But and who's Jamal Edwards? He's like the head of SBTV in like England, which is like a huge channel. To give that some context, before that, I was working with a guy from Black Box called Lotus and he had helped me like develop as a musician with like the things happening, studio time and like that helped to like push it further than, you know, that and then Jamal Edwards to come along after I'd done my street styles freestyle my black box cypher which lots helped to organise as well the under 18 cypher Jamal's giving me the warm up session now I've done the warm up session and then I'm discussing those issues in that freestyle these times I've turned 17 now and after I met Jamal Charlie Sloth reached out for fire in the booth mm. so from when I released my warm up session I had to write two warm-up sessions because Jamal Edwards wanted me to write a proper story for my warm-up session, right? But for my first warm-up session, I wrote Jekyll and Hyde. So that was my warm-up session, yeah. Jekyll and Hyde. And then Jamal- Which became an actual song. Yeah, and he was yeah. like, oh, I want more of a story and such and such and such. So I was like, cool. Wrote a warm-up session, left it, put Jekyll and Hyde up as a music video and filmed it, put it out through SPTV, which done a, a lot for me as well. And then. I got hit up by Charlie Sloth. He wanted to do a fire in the booth. So I went away, wrote the fire in the booth for like four or five months. And day by day, I just tried to write line by line by line. And that was like, you know, obviously fire in the booth is when you realize like, okay, this is actually something like that is of some importance. But these times I'm freestyling. Yeah. I'm just borrowing. Like, there's nothing, there's nothing but, there's nothing but lyrics. You can't find a spot of melody anywhere in my music. There's right. nowhere. Right. You know, everything I'd done had been the black box, which is pure rap cypher, pure rap street stars, pure rap karma, pure rap warm up, pure rap fire in the booth, pure rap. So I'm now deciding as to the people that I have around me, the team, like meeting with different people to like get management and that type of thing and working out like what music even means. Like, Cause when you're freestyling, like, people can take in your freestyle but not much you could do with it you know right yeah you like you have to learn how to build a song yeah so did this feel like it was happening fast for you 
while you were in it? Mm, not really, because I was in college at the same time. So I was just trying to like not get kicked out of college because <laughs> I never attended. So I was like in between those two things. Yeah, where's your head at? Like you're you're majoring in in what? My head's at. I need to make it out of college to do law, and uh, I studied music tech in college, but I never turned up for it. And <laughs> economics, yeah, philosophy and ethics. But mm. that was in like second year, and then yeah, my head's just like, boy, I need to make it out of college and go to uni because these times here, rap's not taking me out of uni. Like, there's no way I'm dropping uni to go and rap. So. Mm. Nah. Cause your mom would not have been into that. Yeah. Just, was she aware? Nah. These times, my mom's not aware. I think she became aware after like the warm up session. So, so when when you did the black box thing, she had no idea that yeah, you were no wow. clue. Um. Yeah, I think no one knew, not even my brothers. So really, I just pushed that out and then met with different people to like, you know, manage me and like talking about your managers, uh, Jack and Benny, who are like full ass adults. So were you trusting of them? Yeah, like, they seem like they seem like stand-up guys, huh? Like, obviously, yeah, like, are you saying that because they're here? Just blink <laughs> if you need us to like get you at the other door. <laughs> like, um, obviously, nah. They, I don't know. It was, it was like it was like it was like this weird balance of like massaging my ego, but also like doing things that helped at the same time. Mm-hmm. And those two like perfect combination. <laughs> like, it's like what else can anyone? ask for in life like you, you're listening to songs I'm sending them to you you're saying yeah this is amazing you make me feel good about myself I'm thinking boy I need this feeling where I feel good about myself more <laughs> and you send them more music but also <laughs> let me like ask them for the studio time to make more music and, sure. but at the same time like we're just I don't know what happened but it's like it reached a point where like I must have like just started like speaking on like non-musical terms I think that's where things change like and I realized, like, oh yeah, these guys definitely like manage me because like I had made Thiago Silva with AJ Tracy, mm-hmm. and which is a football reference. Yeah, yeah, to soccer reference. Shout out to Mike Dean. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, <laughs> and um, at this time, people were making grind music, and AJ was like really sick and grind. But I had a studio session that I wanted to do with Avellino, but I couldn't find a studio. But I needed to get a studio, and I called Jack, and Jack had paid for a studio which was pretty expensive at the time for me to just have a random session with like 300 pound or something for me to have for the night to use to meet Avellino. Ended up meeting Avellino, didn't do any songs, but AJ came through later hmm. because it was in Labrook Grove where he lives. And then that's where the basis of Thiago Silva started. Hmm. So little things like that, just like catapulting into something that could be so important for your career later on. And then like normal like conversations just out of everything like obviously my other manager Benny like was still at Ireland these times I was throwing his name in here why is he smiling for <laughs> um, he was still at Ireland these times Ireland Records which mm-hmm. is like a subsidiary of Universal well here it's Island yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, private jet private Island uh, private Island I've never heard that. listen um, ever since Michael Dapper came over here that's right you know, yeah, yeah. called uh, Island yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah 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 Big Shack um, so yeah um, these times we were at Blue Box a lot this is a studio in Western that obviously came through him and them so there was things that were happening that were like I'm getting through walls that are just making my life I'm through walls like a pass like I'm getting assisted yeah things are being made easier and then like it was just like yeah so now I've got managers and like I've got a director, Lex, who I met through Jamal Edwards, who had filmed Jekyll and Hyde, filmed Thiago Silva. So after my fire in the booth, it got a great reception because I'd done two parts. 
one was more about politics, the other one was like more about like violence. Where I'm from London, again, more charged up 17 year old stuff. Well, what's the difference between doing a black box and doing something like uh, Fire in the Booth? With all due respect to black box, to have a Fire in the Booth, you have to be like selected. You can't pay for a Fire in the Booth, right? But you can pay for a black box, mm-hmm. and that's the beauty of black box and of in Fire in the Booth because a black box gives the chance to someone like me that would never get looked at for a Fire in the Booth to even get to a point you could have a Fire in the Booth and a Fire in the Booth allows someone who's watching it to know if you're here you must be of some were you nervous going up there boy I had rehearsed it every day for months yeah so like I went done it one take didn't miss a breath didn't miss a beat didn't miss anything like it was like boy you need to because I could have done multiple takes but I just Hmm. didn't well how did Charlie reach out to you he just DM'd me he was just like yeah blah 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 blah, blah. I feel like you're ready and I was like yeah safe I took my time released it must have come out like 5th of March 20 2016 and yeah that was good and done Thiago Silva me and AJ flew out made the football references wore the football shirts and then like it was in Paris PSG because of Thiago Silva the captain of Paris Saint-Germain so that was like the first time that I had had a song where people actually bumped you you know they could actually like nod because a lot of it was like dark dark expressive expressive and Thiago Silva was like way lighter and I love working with other artists because they bring outside to me that I don't have in myself alone because of my competitive nature you know when AJ done that I was thinking like cool if you want to be upbeat and you want to be whatever let me be upbeat too I'm going to be more fucking upbeat <laughs> yeah but yeah. before before Thiago Silva we had done a remix to his track Spirit Bomb which is where I made the grime verse walking a rave smiling mm. my face drinking my hand handing my pouch that's what I remixed for Thiago Silva mm. so it was a nice little story done Thiago Silva now prepared six parts of the EP but again this is something that happened because of people that my manager know my managers had introduced me to a producer called Fraser T. Smith which had like changed the dynamic of everything because I never had like a solid studio where I knew that I could call my own I worked with 169 a lot who grew up around me so he's a producer mm-hmm. but Fraser he's like you know ridiculous levels and he works with like Adele yeah, and <laughs> like Craig David a lot and Stormzy, you know, and it was, yeah, it was it was a really inspirational moment. The first day that me and Fraser met, we had made Picture Me, and Picture Me was like, you know, one of them songs that was, again, on a deeper vibe, but that was like the stuff that I was doing and it was good because it was like a nice little point of difference. But to be fair, like these times, the UK scene didn't really exists the same way that it does now it wasn't a land opportunity if you got a million views it was ridiculous yeah now if you get a million views it's like <laughs> you know like you've right like you've uploaded a video so this yeah. is coming from somebody who was so worried <laughs> about 40 yeah i mean but it's the thing like when uh, um when when we were in, when we were in school it just didn't exist like it yeah was no i was in school in what 2013 yeah 2012 yeah i mean same <laughs> we were we were all in school in 2013 <laughs> these these were the dark ages for music and these times like you know Crepton Conan were holding it up yeah Crepton Conan were holding UK music up at this point and you know you'd had like Rimsey come in and make like some classic tracks and um, there was a few people like you know there was a few tracks that like yeah these are we'll go back and we'll look at and we'll say these are legendary tracks you know you had the Young's Teflons you had the Dafts you had the Movers these times but like I'm I don't 
know about most of these artists except for Young's Teflon at this age. Mm-hmm. I just know Crepton Conan. So they're giving a scene live and Skepta was that thing. But you couldn't just go and announce a headline show and say that you're doing a thousand tickets. Impossible. Like, right. Like these times, it's just there's no audience for it. Streaming doesn't exist. It's iTunes or it's YouTube views. Like, or it's just pirate downloads. So radio isn't. Like as supportive of music as it is now because totally. urban music is now pop music it wasn't like that before to be on the radio it was like thing I think around 2013 2012 wasn't that when Tiny done Discovery obviously I don't even know why I, I didn't Tiny at these times was so huge that it was in a different ether mm-hmm. Tiny not like he was American in terms of sound but in terms of level and status you can't he was untouched like he was so big that he was like far gone you know what I'm saying like yeah. Crepton Conan was something that like oh maybe you can like aspire to like I'm hearing written in the stars and the, the starts of Sky Sports adverts pass outs everywhere Discovery done ridiculous first week numbers and like Tiny was like oh my god so by the time 2016 rolls around and you do your fire in the booth and you go out to Paris and you're shooting videos Stormzy's the one yeah, yeah but are you still in college yeah how do you manage success on a level that you haven't, you know, seen before? I had, the success wasn't, it wasn't there yet. I was a local guy. Innit? But isn't that some sort of success, though? I might Like, there are different steps, right? Like, I had a fire in a booth, but it wasn't like anything that you go to a party and you hear a song playing. You know, that's what felt like success. And some people had that. I never had that. So. But are people recognizing you off the strength of that? Like, is your name starting to go around, like, do you know Dave? And people actually knew which yeah, Dave people were talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, to some extent, but it was slow and steady. So, but that's what Six Paths, the EP, was about. So I made my first EP, Six Paths, and that was in reference to a line that I said about um, Six Paths in my Fire in the Booth, which was a reference to a line that I had said in Jekyll and Hyde. Mm-hmm. Oh, the road I'm walking is a maze. Six Paths like the sage had me in and out of rays with a flicker on. And then, like, six paths like the stage it just sounded like a name so I was like cool six paths six tracks talk about stuff that's going on with me different roles that I could go down in the UK me and Fraser were together we were here for him we done picture me on the piano and I think the next track was Panic Attack a five minute freestyle and this is like the epitome of me if someone mm. says how does Dave rap that is me 105 fast I'm cramming in words over an electric guitar it's live music I'm making it scenic it feels cinematic it feels mm. big that was like the track where if you know me as a musician and you say what is like the most Davey Dave track for Dave that you know Dave for <laughs> it's like Panic Attack innit I've sung Wanna Know way before but it's got leaked so I've written off Wanna Know well like, what's your feeling when it gets leaked yeah cause uh, to this point nah, it's, you it's, are rappy 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 Dave right yeah it got leaked when I was still rapping so yeah, some yeah, people yeah. have heard it and some people were like right this is actually like a little bop but it's like the auto tune is so bad that I'm thinking, yeah, the song's done, it's dead. But people liked it. So it was just like, whatever. But everyone was like, make it cleaner, like, make it cleaner and just like actually refine it. And you can have a big song there. And you know, the, the old one and all had the M word instead of man. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if you know how many times that I say man in the chorus. I can tell you, <laughs> I said the M word 13 times in the chorus. So the chorus was unplayable it's like wait you, are you allowed to swear in the podcast yeah, 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 yeah. Podcast. we've been doing this entire yeah. time yeah. so it's like <laughs> yeah. 
It's like if we count together, it's like all my niggas running to the money, we running like ah, uh, and all my niggas running from them holes in the roads, like whoa, 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 whoa. And you're thinking, oh, it's cool at this point, yeah. You just like whoa. A month ago, you didn't want to know, but now I'm seeing though these niggas they be calling on my phone, all these niggas they applaud me on the road up a corner for my pro. <laughs> niggas keep on talking on the low, niggas keep on talking on the low, but all my man, all my niggas bros, and all my niggas, all my niggas bros, my niggas have your niggas on the road, I have niggas in your road, niggas on my strip with a pole, with a pole, like my niggas that we good with bro. Now I'm just in the th- so. 14? So, yeah. 14 so it's not built for the Disney Channel. That's yeah, right. It's not yeah. built no. for the Disney yeah. Channel. It's not built for radio. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we refined it, switched it. That's why they asked for a clean version. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Um, I actually wrote it better. And then that was like, I never knew I was going to be the lead song of Six Pass. We made Six Pass the actual track. That's when I done like the cinematic intro of 140. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, it's come together as a, it's come together as an EP, released that. And that's when I made the decision not to go to uni because I just took that leap of faith. Everyone was saying, take the leap of faith. Yeah, but what'd you tell your mom? I'm not going to uni because and, I want to chase music. And she oh, said, yeah. She was like, nah, you're bugging. But obviously, like, you know, like, it's just one of them things where you just got to say, like, if it doesn't work, then I'll go to uni next year. But I've got, to, I've got to try. I don't have the ability to go and do both. I need to actually give this a shot. So really, in your mind, you were going to give yourself 365 days. No, 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 I was never going back to you. I was over. I was old. I was over. But you got, you got, you got to preface it with something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got yeah, yeah. to make it like. Right. You got to make a bet like. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, cool. And then I, yeah, like. And what I, was the reaction right away to Six Paths? Yeah, Six Paths had a great reaction. But by the time that Six Paths had come out, Wanna Know had been remixed. So if we scaled it back, Wanna Know had had a decent reaction. Went to Venice to film the video. And by right. These times, videos abroad weren't happening nowadays everyone does a video but you had already done one in paris yeah so the paris video everyone was like no nah, this is a ridiculous video this is sick <laughs> mm-hmm. but venice it's like well i'm gondola singers so people are like no nah, these guys are creative like this is different yeah so, i remember the first time i saw it and i was just like whoa it like, felt it felt nice right yeah like it, it's it felt very different you guys look so cool i was like he's so young and who is this kid? It just felt fun. Yeah. And that's something that like it's difficult to translate into videos. Like you can have something that looks really glossy and really expensive but doesn't and look fun. Do you think that YouTube was more instrumental in your career than any other platform? Yeah, it was one of the ones where it allowed you to connect with someone that like, you can't just hear the emotion in someone's voice. You gotta see it in their face. Like, yeah, you gotta see you in Venice. You, yeah, you gotta see me in Venice. You I had to see, see you in Venice. Venice. <laughs> yeah. So it it allows you to look at my progress and my growth from an artist as from me shouting into a microphone really amped up when I was 16 to like me happily singing on a boat in Venice when I'm 17 and then that had happened it's gone past now and obviously we've six passes out is six parts out Six Parts is now available on all streaming services. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. Six, par- six Parts is out. I'm tweaking. But the video for Six Parts itself wasn't out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Six Parts has come out. People have responded well to it. But I'm now looking to the next stage of music. So I link up with Jay Huss. Me and Jay Huss make half a Samantha in the first day. The next day, I get a call from Rashid at Link Up saying that OVO want to speak to you. OVO want to speak to me. These are back-to-back days? Yeah, this is the next day. So OVO want to speak to me find out that yeah they wanna they're interested about instrumental for one and all. So I'm thinking this is crazy. <laughs> OVO instrumental for one and all. But then I go to studio and finish the second half with Jay Huss. So now I finish Samantha. Mm. Then they call us and they say, Yeah, like we really like track blah blah blah. Send us the beat for one and all. And then they say they say send us the vocal part. So at this point like obviously 
I don't know what car I was in, but it was close to crashing. Like, <laughs> it might have been me and Jack in the Mini. It might have been like, no, it was definitely like me and Jack in the Mini somewhere or something. It must have been somewhere, but like, if someone wants to cover your beat yeah, and says it's a sick beat, like it's a sick song, it's yeah. like, oh my days, like, yeah. boy, like, I feel to phone to roll. Like, yo, the song that you produced, look where it's going to end up. When he said send your vocals, mm-hmm. I was thinking, nah, mental. You're like, yeah. me too? Yeah. And I was thinking, me too? And that's exactly what I was thinking, like, really? Like, I felt to that, are you sure? Like, yeah. But obviously, we send the vocals now, and they're saying that, yeah, you remixed it, worked around it. So I'd never heard it. So I knew it was coming out on this week, but I'd never heard it. Heard it just before it came out. Obviously, I'm screaming. Like, I'm hearing Drake's voice singing the song. So it's amazing. And the remix is happening. It's taking me to like a next sort of scale. And like, Does your mom at that point have any idea who Drake is? Yeah, she knows who Drake is. And obviously, she's tweaking. <laughs> yeah, I bet. And like, it could have been really easy to get lost in a hype, you know, because... What do your brothers think about this, by the way, at ridiculous. that time? It's ridiculous. That they're thinking, nah, this is ridiculous. I don't believe it. But Christopher, it's weird. I said to him, bro, you're not going to believe this, but there's one person who's just remixed my song. And I swear to God, he was like, Drake. I was like, <laughs> oh, that, bro, like, what the hell? Like, you just sort of ruined my whole thing. Yeah, I was, yeah. But I was thinking, yeah. Did they reach out through him? <laughs> I was like, what? Yeah. I was like... I was like, but when I said yeah, he was like, no. <laughs> I was thinking like, bro, this guy tried to start up and then like kill the thing. That I was, he probably thought I was just going to say something like, anyone else. Yeah. And then obviously like now, I'm just thinking, all right, cool. Like, I don't know what to do, but my life has changed. My world has changed. Like, I can't lie. Like, I sat down and I thought to myself when they said, yeah, like we want to put this up on streaming because these times I'm independent. It's going through Ditto, which is like a random, it's like, TuneCore or whatever. Mm-hmm. Not what you guys have in America. So no, 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 we have TuneCore, yeah. yeah. Tune yeah. yeah. So they want to like sign it and, and put it out through them and make it available for sale and streaming services. So I'm not going to lie. Like, I'm sitting down and thinking to myself like, boy, like I may never have to work ever again. Still like I'm done. Like, totally. I'm chilling, you know, trying to stay grounded, composed, doing the normal things, checking the prices of Aston Martin's <laughs> houses and, and saying like, hey, yeah, boy, like, <laughs> and by the way, if you get a really nice Aston Martin, you can just live in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I'm, I'm just thinking like, boy, like, I, I don't even have a driving license. Yet. I don't even have a provisional. And yeah, like we've gone and we filmed six parts and put six parts out. And it was like, we were just rolling on with more music. And well, what does that mean for you in terms of like live appearances, in terms of hearing the song on the radio, in terms of people like pointing you out on the street? You know what? I think that the song, like it got, it got me noticed, but it took a while, even though it was out, it took a while for people to be able to make the proper distinction between the song and me. Music is one of the funny things where it's so slow, but it's so fast that instantly, you know, 10,000, 11,000 retweets on Twitter, like people know you, but for people to clock you on the road and say, my man is actually that guy that mm. this has happened to, it took a second. Do you the think radio- it's because your name is Dave? <laughs> you know, it's too generic. <laughs> Yo, also, how do you service the song to radio or do they just like ask for it or do they find yeah, it? Yeah, like I think radio, like they, you got to send it around, you got to ask. And I won't lie, like I'm going to be completely honest with all my views and opinions. Like I think that a song of that, scale I don't, it's difficult when you're working you're independent and everything's like with you guys but the radio like it got played on the radio but it's just like for the moment that that was for me at the time and for the moment that that was for the UK I think that like nowhere near 
what that should have been. The reason I say that is like, imagine like your UK radio, you're playing songs that are melodic, yeah? You're playing songs where people are singing. Like if Drake releases a song tomorrow, it's gonna be all over your radio. Right. Like I'm 17 or I'm whatever, or 18 these times, yeah? And I've gone and Drake has remixed my song, which is already melodic. Drake's verses are short, it's not a long song. Mm-hmm. It's about two minutes 30 in general. And this is, I'm not meaning to say this to sound ungrateful at all because it's a blessing overall. But when I think about how easy it is for a song now to just get like instant radio playlist and respect, yep. yeah, this shows how the scene has progressed. Like it can come instantly. But at that time, that moment was ridiculous. But because I was living in it yeah. and I was trying to move forward, I never actually got to stop and appreciate. Like, yeah. That's interesting because you're right. If that two minute and thirty second song had hit now, it would have been out of here. It's just like yeah, yeah, but totally. But the what it done for me in profile and what it done for me like to as an artist and making me someone that is like more of a household name was is it's, it's priceless, you know. And like what Drake had done for me, I think was one of those things where it's like you can live ten. 15 lifetimes and it will never happen to you yeah you can live 10 15 lifetimes as a musician it will never happen to you the reason that i just said that about the radio is obviously uh if drake jumps on a remix here in the us yeah yeah mm. it's gone yeah with sarchi it's gone um look alive yeah he's jumped on his song yeah made yeah. it happen yeah, tuesday and you know, all the rest yeah, of that like, yeah yeah sure. like the song is gone it's getting respect yeah this doesn't happen to people from the UK. There is no like transatlantic links. There's no, uh, there's no Canada and UK. There's no America and UK. This never happens. Like, right. When it does happen, it doesn't feel like natural or right. But this has happened in the most natural, freakish and inspirational way in a song that is easy. So did he find it through your YouTube then? Yeah. Well, he was looking at a mix for um, best... Uh, UK rap videos and he found it yeah so okay separately I gotta say like on record what um, Drake and OVO and his team had done for me to put that song out the way that they did was like one of the nicest and kindest gestures that anyone had ever done because Drake could have said cool like let's release that song and we'll sign it to our label and we'll take everything that you do for the rest of your life and I'll be sitting down like boy it's yeah. sounding good still yeah. like because like you're in a position where you've yeah. got as an artist where you can shine a light on someone that you got so much power but they dealt with me in a way that was like so fair and it like was dealt with so quickly like everyone on his team was on point they respond they're respectful like there was no egos even though there's a right to be at that level like so it's one of those ones where like from their side they done everything to give me the craziest layup for the craziest moment that's awesome mm-hmm. and you know you shout take, to drake and future and mr yeah. morgan and everyone over there yeah, yeah shout out to everyone there because all of them and ollie as well like yeah other. Um, yeah all great guys and because like you could have been like washing dishes in like the OVO store you could have been like <laughs> looking at pictures of like a Kia you know instead of a Aston um, Martin, Aston Martin. Yeah. yeah and yeah like, I, I just they gave me the perfect layup and you know so it's being played it's being played I'm not gonna say that oh it wasn't being played on did radio did they debut it on, on OVO radio yeah uh-huh. got yeah. debuted there on a Beats yeah. did it make yeah. the Radio 1 playlist what, what playlist it made it made it seedless right and it made it stayed at the Cedars, so mm. that's why that's why like I was never made a capital players right. 
and it was on the capital extra one though and the one extra one you're being hard on yourself <laughs> so obviously like the, there's like these are to to explain the radio stations like one extra is mm-hmm. like radio ones like sister but like little sister yeah mm-hmm. so it's like more for urban music and capital extra is the same thing with capital right so capital is like when you got a big song and you got a pop song you got capital then you got like a big song you got a pop song you go radio one like you go kiss mm-hmm. now obviously you got to play your role and you got to play your position but like I go and I do that again like I said at this stage of my career now and we're pushing for the capitals and the radio ones and this can happen mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying so yeah. it's one of them weird ones and interesting ones where it's like maybe it was just a timing or maybe everyone had been so shocked but if Drake jumps on a song with a UK artist right now I'm not going to say that like it's a point where we're ungrateful but like it's almost as if like people aren't like this is not normal like it's it, it feels so freakish to me mm-hmm. because I've grown up looking at people and listening to their music and knowing that like, these guys are aliens like they're they're so far gone but again like it's so the, far so gone far because gone, of Drake yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> just done a little mini rock there just to celebrate that little bar that I've done by accident but um, yeah like so I think people should never take like the the love that we get from other countries for granted you know mm-hmm. and like obviously when you're making the music it, it always helps so now to speed up this thing moving forward like cool we had a good moment but it's like what do you do next we've gone out filmed a couple more videos from the EP done 71 and I done a remix to two birds one stone and I've done two birds no stones so mm-hmm. now I'm freestyling I'm rapping again I'm barring here's some bars innit mm-hmm. I've yeah. just done the singing but we knew when it's time to come back you go for the jugular yeah. so we had Samantha ready Samantha went with Jay Huss and that like took off in a different level Fire. because Jay Huss has always been respected in music and these times like we've got a buzz and bubbling so when we came together it was like ridiculous and that tracks on like 30 million views on YouTube now and um, at maybe 28, 29 on streaming Spotify and stuff and Apple Music are yeah, where are those kids who didn't watch it when you were in... Uh, They're here. They're, like, soccer, where, they're football uh, players now. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> and, like, it's the thing, like, a lot of... Me and them are, like, me and them are cool. I'm never going to look at someone that was, like, in my secondary school and think, like, raw, like, nah, nah, you didn't believe in me. Like, what no. did I... Did I believe in me? Like, I will. I will for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fine, yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not even, not even their fault. Like, if someone sat down, and we all sat down in secondary school in my English class, and they said, boy, like, if you give me a five pound note right now and if David from here who's saying that he's going to sell his mixtape to all of you in class for 15 pounds to try and make enough to record in studio if you tell me <laughs> yeah that like <laughs> I got to give someone a five pound note and if I in the next couple of years actually release music and get to do a fire in a booth I'd say yeah 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 take it no chance hmm. someone said raw like Drake's going to jump on your track like <laughs> I would have bet everything that was on my back at the time that that was impossible. Yeah. So, like, I can't look at anyone that didn't believe. It's just the times you told girls like, "What do you do?" Like, <laughs> girls are saying like, "What do you do?" And saying, "Oh, I rap still." And they say, "Oh, like, <laughs> oh, like that was the thing." You say, right. "Girl, you're a rapper yeah. now." Like, yeah. oh, like, like, oh, how come I haven't heard you? Like, what's your YouTube name? Like, what type of rap? Like, people are actually interested. Like, they care. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, by the way, did you have any jobs in like the the more like lower times? I've never worked like like a legit retail, retail like type ish job my my entire existence yeah like, I 
I guess I struggle with authority. Mm-hmm. But I tried. Mm-hmm. I tried. I mm-hmm. handed my CV to Subway. Yeah. I tried to work in Subway, bro. This is real life. I tried to work in Subway. They didn't take me in. I had some spelling mistakes on my CV, to be fair. What were the spelling mistakes? D-A-V? <laughs> <laughs> dab. Dab. <laughs> what? Um, so you and J-Hus both had, like, a moment, like, yeah. right then. How did you meet J-Hus? Just, like, being around? Yeah, I mean, so like, you I said, like, London's not that big. J-5. Yeah. And then J-Hus was just sleeping in the studio with <laughs> J-5. And then we ended up making music from there. And, yeah, it just worked out naturally. Now, after Samantha, J-Hus is in a position, again, where people, like... They've always known that J-Hus was cold. People have always known that J-Hus was cold, but he'd been away for a bit. So it's like people have been slapped again and woken up like, yo, mm. like J-Hus is cold. And then he's done Did You See? And it's like, yeah, he's gone. Like He's gone clear again. So he's done Did You See? And then he's done Common Sense. So he's put his album out, classic album. Yeah. So he's he's milli rocking all the way to multiple banks. Like He's in the cut. These times now, I'm doing a tour in America for the first time so me and AJ have done the Roxy in LA Mod Club in Toronto and SOBs in New York yeah mm-hmm. how did SOBs go yeah it was great all yeah. of them were great and so we're touring off the both of our songs together so it was good to tour I, I actually spent about 45 minutes with AJ for the entire tour yeah because me and him didn't see each other at all with different flights and <laughs> it was mad and that 45 minutes together that's what I'm saying yeah <laughs> so this 45 minutes like this was on stage by the way this yeah. Yeah. yeah but um yeah see you in LA yeah. <laughs> so yeah was that your first time in New York and in America and nah I've been to LA before to film 71 but first time in New York and so we've gone we've gone to America now back and forth a couple times I've released tequila filmed tequila in America but before that I had done like an LA Lucas freestyle and before Tequila, I'd done 100 M's. 100 M's is like, with SG Lewis, it's like a gram track. So mm-hmm. I'm doing like, not filler tracks, but tracks that are like, just having fun, experimenting with different sounds. And yeah. 100 M's ended up being like, one of the most profitable songs that I had done because of the synth line. Now it's got this really weird, like, this really weird driving synth line. But this like, now references back to what I was saying about the piano and being creative and not just sight reading because I remember playing like Samantha chords in studio and obviously when I was playing the chords it was like no one was getting it and I'm playing the chords and looking around for someone to be like yeah yeah like, that's a fire chord no one's getting it like it's just tumbleweed in it so obviously yeah. these times like but I can see it but I can also finish it so I've played the chords J5's done like a nice little top line on the piano so we've got that F sharp into D into C sharp into A, G sharp, F sharp, again, type four chord pattern. I've taken that same pattern in to a studio session with SG Lewis. Mm. But when I've taken that same pattern in, I've played it in a different way. So I've now played on a driving synth with like, it's like some sawtooth squarish synth, yeah, with like distortion or something. And it's got like glide portamento. So I'm going F sharp, F sharp, F sharp and then higher octave and I'm going down then I'm going up then I'm doing it on the D and it's like this weird sound I don't know how it came but it was kind of like a football chant <laughs> it's like dun 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 and it's a weird melody when you think about it but that is just that has been the melody that has been probably synced the most out of everything that I've ever done and it's crazy like, 
done a lot for me but I looked at the track I was never going to put it out again we're having good managers having good friends like is important because I was like bro you man are tweaking like, you man are jarring me you man are like you're pushing for this song I hate it like, I don't want it out like, I don't want it to sound like this like that but they have a vision and this is why like as an artist it's not just like you being an island or an island as you can see <laughs> like, it's about you being able to like actually look at the bigger picture and have people around you that you trust their word on because it's like boy I could have just sat down and just said yeah 100 M's just isn't coming out like we never speak about this again and like blocked it out which might have been easier for me to process but like sometimes you have to hear the things that you don't want to hear yeah and, and that's the one that's just 100 M's was more for live it was more for the energy it was never really for the listening because we knew that we needed a song to like have a super jumpy moment to yeah but for when it actually like Nike started taking it in and started using it for things and like it just started going to different places it was like pretty surprising so that's happened 100 M's tequila's happened now and this is what 2017 and we're back in with Fraser we're back trying to make that moment we're trying to we're trying to change the game trying to restart and it's like sat down and thought about it. I'm missing a big moment I've done a track called Revenge mm -hmm. in between um, Samantha and my Ali Lucas mm -hmm. I've done Revenge yeah around that time but Revenge is when I started like producing so I produced Revenge and it's like I love like game sounds and like like retro synths and that type of thing so it's like dun 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 and it's like very gamish yeah but it's a super experimental beat super experimental freestyle but I'm just rapping on a weird beat over like some gamish type thing but it's giving me so many different ideas and it's actually shaped the artwork shaped the content shaped the storyline for game over yeah but how did you know in terms of your sound where you wanted to go or where you didn't want to go because you've had you know different levels of success at this point opposite of six pass like we had a rule for game over because i just started producing so no live instruments and in game over mm -hmm. everything's synthetic everything needs to feel like super gamey we ended up breaking that rule <laughs> it just couldn't last then it's just like live instruments too much and well can we talk about question time because like that's like a very political song yeah super duper political and i just wanted to like again in the same way that like someone from a soundtrack would make you feel like i was here at this moment and that was happening when i was this age and that age if someone goes back and listens to question time like it's a time capsule you know and it's it's got like some harsh production and it's not the easiest thing to take in but it's a very big statement as to the time that we were in and what was going on you know so. have you gotten any reaction from people that either you talked about or people that have listened to it that were like you want to know what like we could use you as a face for something like yeah i think at the time like there was an election going on that had just finished mm -hmm. so i didn't i wasn't like anywhere near the election because i didn't want to have my viewpoints be something that actually influenced people to vote on the side that i was speaking about because question time was largely anti-conservative because those are the people that are in power mm -hmm. I still had questions for the people that were in power at Labour but I didn't want to actually like have people go and do something based on my word when I wasn't as politically informed as I needed to be so question time happened and I was just there waiting how I met my ex now is happening but I haven't made the piano line 
I'm, it's just over different beats and mm. I needed some of the pieces together I just sat down in the studio one time after my managers had left and I just said I'm, I, this is going to happen like right now mm. it was the weirdest thing ever because I usually play chords but today I, I just felt like I'm not going to play chords I'm going to play singular notes on the left hand I'm going to play a melody on the right hand and do a song that's different I was just humming how I felt about my ex and then there was a real turning point in the week because we were like having debates back and forth and me and my managers were going back and forth and my friend we were saying like we need a big song we need a single you know that week was obviously tough because like you put in hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours working on the rap songs and it always boils down to we need a big song we need like we need something that is going to be need a capital one extra or whatever yeah yeah like you need something so it was tough but just had to go out and do it and i was you either hide away from the challenge or you live up to it so i went out and went linked still bangles linked savak in those weeks and i just wanted to be in studio all the time ended up making calling me out which was on an ep and then ended up linking up with still bangles as well being in multiple sessions and making no words for most that which is meant to be a mistrack but most act ended up writing first ended up putting down a hook i always wanted a song that would work in the clubs but honest to god when i made this hook i never sat down and thought boy this is a club hook i just made the hook and that's the thing they always say like the things that happen best they happen naturally i think no they don't mathematically (laughs) you sit down you plan it but it's true that's happened now fast forward to the release of Game Over Question Time is the song that is going to lead it whether like, oh, what's going to be the first song such and such my friends are saying like, nah you should probably put one when you're rapping at my 19th birthday or putting like, I don't know one of the like, biggest songs out first I think my manager is saying that like, Question Time feels good it feels like a moment that was one of the ones where I had to decide within myself and what I was saying in Question Time was so important and so potent because there were so many things that was happening in the UK, especially at Grenfell Tower. It just felt like I hadn't been close enough to the ground in covering it when it was going on. And I didn't want to cover it because it was like too immediate. Mm-hmm. I needed to sit back, take stock, get to meet the people, understand, feel back how it had been after a second. And, you know, there's a lot of you know what it is it's like it's like that thing in like support when like a country could be going through I know it's a weird comparison but a country could be going through like a time of turmoil yeah and everyone sends their love their attention and their donations in one spree and then after a while it's like everyone's immediate thing has run out because they could even deal with it in the way that it came all in one wave and then when it needs attention to be like highlighted it's not there which is why it was good to take a step away from the first few weeks of it Mm -hmm. and actually speak about it months later when it was important for me to you know try and highlight it and bring it to the attention of people again that's all I can do I can't do too much I can just speak about it and the same thing with Storms he mentioned in the Brit Awards performance like that and what he had done for that and mm. even bringing it back into conversation and dialogue and making sure that people understand that this won't be let go of is super important question time is well received mm. Peligro versus happen with gigs that's well received so now we're on a good run Peligro versus happen question time is just happening it's like November the 3rd bow drop no words most stack and it's like people are like yeah they're stunned so it's like cool three songs people get to listen to Game Over and instantly when Game Over comes out the first thing that people connect with the most from Game Over is How I Met My Ex not exactly what I expected but I actually sit down and listen to the song again for the first time since I made it and think oh this is kind of deep mm. this is a deep song yeah. so 
everyone's talking about how I met my ex the next morning. The song. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it can get no, confusing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, that's that's um what came from that calling me out is like a fan favourite as well. People like the intro, but my nineteenth birthday is like the rap that holds it together. Yeah. Nine minute long rap talking about the thing that's going on in London and my actual nineteenth birthday, so so now 2018 comes around yeah. and, you know, we're five five months into the year. Mm. What do you feel like you've, you know, achieved in this calendar year and what do you have left to go in the next seven? I think that, like, this calendar year is an interesting one because we've come back from tour in Australia. Yeah, how'd you survive that flight? <laughs> it was actually it was actually business class, so it was decent. Like, yeah. c- couldn't survive an economy. But, <laughs> nah, it was mad still. I was just thinking, like... I'm watching Game of Thrones now, isn't it? So yeah. I'm watching Game of Thrones, trying to get through it, but even still, like, it's just not enough. Right. How many more seasons do you have for no, Game of Thrones? I finish it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But obviously, the it's a long fight. Yes. He's funny. He's actually he's made a powerful good one liner still. I need to take some notes. Um. <laughs> that's a long flight. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, that's such a funny joke. I gotta give that credit still. So I've now, yeah, but he makes jokes, and I yeah. forget what I'm saying. <laughs> I've now gone, and I've I've gone to go get a dog. So the one thing that's keeping me going on the flight is getting Wi-Fi every couple of hours and speaking to the people that own dogs. And I'm just looking at dogs, getting pictures, like sending emails on the flight from Australia. Like, this is how much I want a dog. So I land. <laughs> I land after not sleeping for about 17 hours. Mm-hmm. And I go, I touch home, I get changed, and I drive up to Birmingham straight away, four hour drive or whatever. <laughs> I go straight to Wolverhampton, yeah, to collect a dog from a guy that I've met on Gumtree. Yeah, so this is as rocky as it gets. Everyone from Pets for Homes was trying to scam me in it. People from Belfast trying to say, yeah, we'll send the dog on Courier once we get the money and that. Belfast? Nope. Nope. Sounding nope. bare rocky. Nope. Sounding hella rocky, yeah. So I'm thinking that, like, cool. This ain't happening. Mm-mm. Driven up there, yeah. Ended up linking a ute. The ute was just some ute from Hackney obviously he's calling out me and him are calling out yeah. he'd probably be thinking like rah why am I calling him some youth from Hackney and think, but <laughs> he was a youth from Hackney so I'm thinking like rah I'm expecting you to be like a middle aged white woman breeding dogs <laughs> like but it was just like me. It was like it was like me going to sell someone a Rottweiler. Have you seen that picture of Spider Man pointing at Spider Man? Yeah. Like, I'm just thinking like like what the hell so I've seen like but he, it's the last of the little. So I've got the last boy and you know what they say about the last of the little they're the crazy ones but I had to go in and see him, see if he was the right dog. I've seen him now and just falling in love. He's just tiny, bro. He's just a tiny Rottweiler. And I was just thinking, no way. So we just taken him. Ended up, like, one of my friends is in Birmingham. She's in Wolverhampton. And, like, stayed at hers for a sec, yeah. And actually, like, got my stock together and realised what I was going to do. Imagine. The dog's obviously, like, he's cool, like, Blah, blah 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 he's thinking alright cool I'm in a house everything's cool I've decided yeah it's time to leave mm-hmm. so I've set up my crate put him inside of the crate and I started driving it's taken about five seconds for him to realise what's going on he started screaming <laughs> so he started screaming now yeah and it's like it's I couldn't it's unbearable isn't it? it's unbearable so now I'm trying to firm it I'm trying to push past thinking now he's going to fall asleep but the cage is rattling so he can't fall asleep so now I'm just at the turning on the motorway, yeah, and I've opened the door, 
and it's like I've opened my car door, stopped, and it's like I should not have stopped where I've stopped. <laughs> yet. I've opened the door, gone around, I've opened, a, put the cage down, and then I've opened the cage, yeah, and then I've gone to open the boot, but it's like I've opened the cage, looked in the cage, he's not there. <laughs> Hearts dropped, panicked. Oh, I've looked yeah. around, yeah, and I'm thinking, please don't tell me you run into the road, but it's like he's just standing there, but he's just silent now. He's calm. So I was just thinking, I don't even know what to do, but he's pooed all over the cage. He's pooed <laughs> inside of the cage, like everywhere inside of the cage out of panic. That's oh what Leo God. used to do when he was scared. So like, I've just decided like, I've got to pick him up. So now I've picked him up here yeah, and there's poo on my, oh. on my like new lilac tracksuit. Yeah. <laughs> and like on my left, it's everywhere. But it's like, I drove for four hours with him in my lap here. Yeah, the first 40 minutes of when I was driving back from Birmingham, three hour drive, I realized, oh my God, like I haven't slept in like 27 hours. So now I'm tired enough to faint. Yeah. Like, but I'm driving back here yeah, and Leo's like somewhat screaming, somewhat being silent. And I'm just thinking like, please don't move. Because if you move and I have to jerk the steering wheel at this like stage of tiredness, like no one's going to make it back. Right. I'm thinking like, cool. I've somehow managed to firm it, made it back with a dog. Anyway, that was a nice little side story. See, the music was getting kind of boring. That's how, <laughs> and that's how I got my dog. And yeah, he's just coming back from training camp now. So when I get back from America, he's going to be six months. And yeah, I got a little Rottweiler. So. And he has a better name than you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Leo would be pretty difficult to find if he was a rapper as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. this is but, true. This is true. You know, Leo, what's Leo short for? You know, Leonardo. Leonardo, yeah. yeah. Leonidas. Yeah. Leo, Leopold. Le these are all great all names. names. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? So, um, but anyway, uh, fast forward. This year. <laughs> yeah, rap now. Obviously, start of the year, it's like I've just come back from Leo. It's early into the start of the year, like to basically say something quickly and actually explain where it was going on. Because I don't like to make this a thing, but it's weird to skip it out. It's like I can't explain this track without giving it the context you just be thinking I've just done a freestyle yeah. for no reason so people are getting killed in London all the time yeah but an innocent aspiring model like a really good aspiring model has been killed yeah by someone that was his friend once upon a time or they were fellow models mm. and it was it was it was a really dark situation but it's like and this made like international news yeah, they're making yeah. Mm -hmm. so when this had happened, I was trying to have a conversation on things to prevent knife crime. Yeah, mm -hmm. so obviously, I'm talking about stopping searching, coming back, metal detectors, blah blah blah. These are all in the sketch, like, there's a bigger picture of what I'm saying, yeah. mm -hmm. but on Twitter, they isolate the smaller picture so, as, right, as, as they do. Yeah. So, they've now said the screenshot of me saying stopping search checks need to come back, and they've taken it away from me talking about metal detectors and college people that shouldn't carry knives. Right. Acid, like blah 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 blah. Like right. I said, if I said that people who go to who carry acid deserve to be in jail for life, no one's gonna look at me and say you're crazy. But right. when, there's just this thing about knives where it's different. Yeah, no one knows why. So I'm just having a conversation. Obviously, like I'm on the phone to my manager at this time. I'm on the phone to Jack, and we're having a conversation. I'm getting backlash or whatever. Anyway. One of my friends have called me saying that they've seen it, so it's becoming a big thing now. People are making their jokes, people are saying blah, 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 blah. Cool. Like, deleted the tweets, everyone's getting on to me, left it now. Yeah. 
I've actually got stopped and searched a couple of days later. What are the odds? You got to laugh at the karma mm. of the universe and the karmic forces. Mm. They've just like made me get stopped and searched. Well, where did the cops find you? I was just driving still. I was just driving. They just, they, boy, you ever play Mortal Kombat? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know when the Scorpion's like, get over here. <laughs> like, bro, like, they just, bro, he must have just done like the maddest U-turn were just driving. He just saw three black youths. They were like, yeah, boy, like this is looking like a job still. So they've done a U-turn, taken us out, searched us like, but some, somebody's like driven past and filmed it, innit? Mm. Obviously, when a person has driven past and filmed it, it's like he said something on the video, but he said it when he's gone past me. So he hasn't said it. I can't even hear anything he's saying, yeah. but he hasn't said this in my presence. He said something when he's gone past. So this is the video that everyone's laughing at and it's gone viral or whatever. So now I'm thinking, nah, all right, cool. Like double cool, like cool. Like, now, I'm, now I'm fired up in it, raging, like pissed. So I'm thinking like, right, how do I fix this situation? Because I felt like, no, I'm not going to lie. It's like a low point. People talk about highs and lows and careers and one of the ones where you got to stay strong. But that's where like, separate of like, everyone, yeah. That's where having a good support system, your friends, the people that are around you, people you grow up with, they're paramount. Because there's certain things that like, people never understand. But having like a people, having a group of people that were as like-minded and as annoyed and as raging and were ready to go to the exact same extent as I was for everything that I felt. It yeah. just felt like I was with four versions of me and it felt, it was the only thing that gave me any comfort. You know, I couldn't be around, I couldn't be around my managers, I couldn't be around my girl, couldn't be around my mum, nothing. Like I just had to be out because I was thinking I am raging. If I see someone, like I'm just gonna get myself nicked. Like, ironically, me saying that. So. I've gone and then I've thought, cool, like, I don't know how to do this. Maybe I'll do an interview and we're planning like an interview for a sec. Like, who do we do an interview with? I wanted to do like an interview with different channels and explain it and give it some context. And I realized like, my friend just said to me like, yo, like you can't be out here talking and like uh, giving these guys like the satisfaction, you know? Just like, if you're gonna do something and deal with it, like you address it in the music. So now I've written a freestyle, written Hangman, and I put the words together and now I've addressed the tweet and I've also simultaneously while addressing the tweet it's like it's like with Hangman I can't even take credit for writing that song properly because it's my close friend you know directly in front of me he's like said like the way to do it because I didn't I'm baffled by the way like I've never had this level of like it felt like every single person I knew and their cat was getting onto me it's like how do you deal with that do you just like do the 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 crazy commando type thing where it's like I'm gonna fire back at everyone I'm like everyone can suck them I'm like I'm gonna fucking what like do something like say something I don't give a fuck who you are what what you're on I'm spazzing do I do that do I reply to no one and just come and carry on and try and move past it like do I say no nah, fuck you man the way that you're thinking is dumb like blah 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 and like you know what I meant even though I said it wrong blah 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 but I think like it took a couple of days and speaking to my brothers to realise that I didn't even mean it like that like, mm -hmm. if we actually have a conversation off the record and have one between like let's say me and people that are from where I'm from I've had conversations this is why like a lot of people's viewpoints don't really matter because a lot of the viewpoints that I was getting from that are the viewpoints that are giving people confidence are from people that aren't from my world right. right are from people that are never like actually here 
and people that are actually here in London streets, London or whatever, a lot of them are saying, "Raw, he's tweaking." Like blah 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 blah. People are saying, "Yeah, I knew he was this. I knew he was that." And some of them are actually being receptive. Some of them aren't. So, the reason that like, even though I know it was a rocky tweet to say stop and search checks need to come back because it's such a general way to try and solve something that's deeper. I've had conversations with people that have done life sentences. People that are doing life sentences. Forget about family and friends. People that have come out after 13, 14 years. People that are like on cases as we speak. People that are on roll. People that have live active problems. Yeah, And they've said, do you know what? Like, boy, like, Mm, some people are saying I get your angle totally the way that these youths are moving nowadays is dumb these are some people that are older than me gone to prison their entire life for, for shooting stabbings murders like some people are saying I get where you're coming from in your angle and like it's just certain things that you can't say or the way that you word it and blah 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 people are having conversations with me like a human people that are from that that world but it's a lot of people that want to make jokes and do something for an instant couple of retweets and such and such and it's really weird because after like there was just a mad spike of murders in London mm. at that time, mad spike of murders and at that point after I had released Hangman I didn't really want to say anything. I don't want to say anything or speak about what's going on in like London and like thing if it's not on track. But even on track like it's difficult now because I care. Like I said, I always say to people like I care. A lot of people don't care genuinely, but I care if you've been listening to this podcast you managed to make an hour 45 yeah. like you would know cool from when I started when I done the black box warm up cypher all of these freestyles the basis of me is rap the basis of me is delivering a message to these people so when I'm saying something and people are trying to make me the bad guy and vilify it it's like cool how do I take it and switch the attention and turn yourself from heel to face again Yeah, and it's like firstly you just got to understand anything that you try and fight in life will fight you back. You don't fight it. You let it be, you know, so. Well, have you gotten the reaction that you wanted after the release of the song? Yeah. Okay. Definitely. And like, that's because it wasn't me trying to make it a contest. It wasn't me on the freestyles trying to say, oh, but the way that people think about this, but the way that blah, 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 blah. It was me in the freestyle saying, boy, like, the, what I said there makes no sense I don't know what I was thinking because that is not me that's not where I'm from but it's an emotional response to A, B and C happening like I might go on a track two weeks from now and say forget police fuck police whatever like mm-hmm. no one can tell me rah you can't say that because you said this this and that because like I said earlier on in the interview and as you would know I spent my entire life visiting these institutions and these places growing up I have the fucking the license yeah. to go out and say A, B, C D, E, F, and G, yeah. you know, and there's a lot of men without the fucking license to say anything that are going out and telling people that do, no one knows anymore. This is what happens in music. This is what happens when you're from London, the UK. Everything's so close. I don't even know if you got the fucking license or street credibility to, to firstly, there's no amount of street credibility that someone could have, but do you get what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. To tell someone else what to do or how to say or how to think or how to act to like, it's really weird, isn't it? So, well, I, I mean, by the same token, like you know, there are lots of people who can say that, uh, you know, they work on the administrative side, right? And they see what things work and don't work from like a, a more macro scale than than the one that you might see. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So, I mean, like in the same way that Kanye and this, I hate talking about Kanye yeah, right same, now, but yeah. 
but in the same way that he can bring up uh, ideas that he thinks are new, but you know they aren't really new to everybody else. You know what I'm saying? And I think that that was like it's weird how much me and him have in common with our situations right now because I said something and it was like what I said was pretty inflammatory, but what I meant had good intentions. Now where we're at at this point with Kanye West speaking about slavery let's separate from that it's not about that but his first set of tweets when he was talking about love and Donald Trump makes me feel like I can do this and such and such that he could have had great intentions and worded them wrong and wanted to actually make people think differently but Twitter's not the place to do that Mm -hmm. so when him and T.I. done Kanye West versus the people or whatever that he's actually speaking on track and people don't have a problem with Kanye West versus the people like blah 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 on that track there's not obviously there's certain arguments within it that may be flawed if you're looking at it on a deep political scale but these tweets when you're speaking snapshots like snapshots of things that you've had and thoughts that you've had for seconds that you put online they live forever these screenshots live forever you can't go from a, a space of like thought for a second and put it out because it lives and I think that what I done on the track was just like admit, you know what, that makes no sense. What I said was weird, like it's dumb, but now actually let me get across what I really meant and what I was really saying. Good when people you. got really like realigned with what I was saying, I just realized, cool, like they kinda get it now. If you wanna take it far, you can take it far, do your thing. I'll see you when I see you in real life, it's whatever man. That's yeah. how it is. And I said that in Hangman because it's like you got a smiley image and persona, like people get it twisted. Then you just think that like it's that time. But big mob mentality. When everyone's getting onto you, everyone's getting onto you. When everyone's saying your freestyle's hard, your freestyle's hard. And I was just waiting for Hangman to come out and someone to just play it and say, oh, like, but my man, this, 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 that. There was no one, there was nothing. And I, I'm really, really, really kind of upset about it. Mm-hmm. I just wish that there was someone that I could now separate, like, and say, you really hate me. You know what I'm saying? But yeah. I don't even know. Yeah. I, I turn around and I say to someone, bro, like, what the hell was that about when everyone was getting on to me? They just say, bro, everyone was doing it. You're going to fire everyone. That's right. how everyone goes about it. Mm. So now it's like, you just learn from that and you realise never to put yourself in a situation again where you can get taken out of context. I always say, if you have to say it was taken out of context, you fucked it. You right. are in a fucked position. No one in the history of ever in life has, <laughs> says, has said that it was taken out of context and had anything good going on around them. Right. Never. The words it was taken out of context are literally synonymous with scandal. They're synonymous with with problem. PR like needs to save problem something. The, Not rapper. Problem the rapper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yo, so we're so happy that you came through here. We're so happy that you got to tell your story and, and we're, we're happy we got to shower you with praise. Not shower like, you know, shower mill. Right? Yeah. yeah. You know, shower you with praise. <laughs> congratulations on everything Thanks. and we're looking forward to everything that, you know, happens for the next seven months and on. Thank you. And that's that's where we are right now. I think I've brought myself up to date um in so yeah (laughs) we appreciate you thanks thanks everyone for listening to this new episode of Waste Time with It's The Real Jeff people want to find out more about us we are It's The Real I-T-S-T-H-E-R-E-A-L no apostrophe no spaces people want to find out more about our upcoming shows our album our podcast our books everything we got going on where can they go? You can always go to itstherial.com, I-T-S-T-H-E-R-E-A-L.com, no apostrophes, no spaces, or if you're looking for our merch, go to itstherial.com slash shop. Yeah. Say you are looking for our podcast. 
go to iTunes, search for A Waste of Time with It's The Real, or go to soundcloud.com slash a waste of time. Or if you're looking for our music, you can go to soundcloud.com slash it's the real, or you can go to any streaming service. Talk about Spotify, Title, all of them, Audio Mac wherever else yeah i mean title has the best splits so let's go you there you want to know what if you like your music elsewhere go elsewhere we are at it's the real on twitter at it's the real on facebook at it's the real on instagram we are also on snapchat at it's it's the real wave Chappelle just added us there also we are at it's the real it's the real on twitch and it's it's the real on reddit how's reddit going uh, I have to upload some more stuff okay great. i took a little break okay comes down to you taking a break well you want to know what upvote my life we are three years into this podcast's run, and we are not going anywhere, guys. We're not going to get any bigger, any more popular, any better if you guys do not spread the word. So we're counting on you, the people that we shout out, to tell friends, family, followers, fanatics, all about A Waste of Time with It's The Real. We know it starts with us. So, Jeff, who would you like to shout out? I want to shout out our friend Courtney F. Photo. Hey! Out in London. Yes, sir. Our men's dem. That's right. The great photographer Courtney F. Yeah. Photo, who really showed us around Shortage when we were out there, and, and also was early on Dave, and was early on LMA, and, and was early on a bunch of people. And took our picture that you guys see on this very podcast when you download it. Shout out to Courtney Francis. We appreciate you. Jeff, I want to shout out our friend Munir over with The Roots, who is going to be there at The Roots Picnic on June 2nd, and we hope you guys will be out there as well, because we are going to be doing a live podcast from the podcast stage alongside Questlove's podcast, alongside Drink, Drink Champs. Champs with Nori and DJ EFN. It's going to be a great time. That's not even getting into the music part, where you're going to have like Lil Uzi Vert, 2 Chains, and and Jada Kiss and DJ Drama and Randy Kid and Jay Critch. Just a ton of people. It's going to be a great show in Philadelphia. Tickets may still be available right now at rootspicnic.com. If they're not, sorry, but hopefully we'll see you guys uh, on June 2nd. That's a Saturday that's coming up yep. in Philly. As always, guys, not for real, for real. Sure, sure. We'll see you guys next week. Bye.